2: Hello, Chris. Oh, Alan's! Didn't see you there. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I just had an avocado
3: and it's made me sneeze.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've got a whopper this this week. It's only bloody MJ Rodriguez from Pose. Yes, the lovely MJ who plays the the lovely um, Blanca. Have you got the full Blanca's full name there? Blanca Rodriguez Evangelista. (laughs) <laughs> because she is in the house of Evangelista. Yes, indeedy. For all the Pose fans.
3: So, yes, it was really lovely to talk to her. Uh, um, I, I think it's really interesting. MJ is this uh, person who's kind of had this explosion uh, mm. in her life and career uh, because of Pose. And it was really lovely to sort of hear her talk about that and be so sort of open and vulnerable about it. And, you know, it's. I just think she's... Uh, well, this is some. I mean, she truly is a trailblazer. She truly is, is a trailblazer,
2: and she is uh, at the, the forefront of the curve of the change in Hollywood. You know, and just talking to her at this mm. moment when everything's just going for her, and how, yeah, um, to, uh, listening to her speak about how hard it was when she was starting out, and how. The, yeah. she spoke to us but has spoken many times previously as well about being a trans actor and people just saying there is no there is no room for you there is no roles for you and how yeah. to see the amazing upturn of that and how um yeah it's just so exciting it is so exciting and it also it could not happen to a nicer
3: woman i mean what an absolute darling yeah i mean she was just like the, the loveliest kindest little bundle Great little outfit eat it up.
2: Great outfit too, I recall.
3: Uh, yes, very good. There was a headband.
2: There was a lot going on. There were some stripes. I think there were some stripes as well. But um Possibly. You know, this is radio, so that's not very helpful of me. Should we <laughs> Should we have a listen Alan to the wise words of MJ Rodriguez? Let's. Here she is. <laughs>
3: I have to say, MJ, I'm just loving your hair.
4: Thank you. I did this um uh, this photo shoot not too long, literally like two days ago, and I wanted to like you know do some bantu knots and try something different, you know.
3: I love it. How many nub, sort of knobbly bits on top of your head? do you we tell the the listeners, it's sort of
4: one, two, three, and then like three more in the back somewhere.
3: I love that. Thank you. I've done, I had a look once years ago when I when my hair was sort of I had it, you know short at the back and the sides, but on the top I it was floppy, but I put it into little for something I did maybe a photo shoot or something again mm-hmm. I did it I, 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 the hair person put it into little ponytail so I'd like about 20 little ponytails with little rubber bands all on top of my head it was such a good look
4: I think wait isn't there a picture that that's there's, great I mean you're you're famous and amazing and there's like beautiful <laughs> pictures of you everywhere and I think I see I saw a picture of you with these like were they multicolored rubber bands or were they just, Yes. I think I saw that picture somewhere and you are. Yeah, I did it. I, 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 I
3: done it. I've done it a few times, but I definitely did multicolored. I did it in a film, actually. I think I did it in the anniversary party at that yes but uh, yes it's a good look i might try and do it again although my hair right now i'm hiding it because i'm like
2: mad professor Uh, mj have you been doing any like dressing up in lockdown because you know everyone sort of went through a a period where they were just wearing like their pajamas and then everyone was like actually i think i want to dress up once in a while
4: okay so there are days when i'm like okay so my dress up is like my hair i call them hats when i wear my wigs and i you know i just put on a different wig ever so often just to give me a you know a feel and a new look. But um, for the most part, I just like I put on a regular T-shirt, some shorts, and I go outside in my garden and I just like live. Um, I feel like this has been the moment to really find time to like self-care and, you know, take care of yourself and just really, really focus on how we can move forward after this whole shindig that we're going through. So um, I haven't really been focused on the glam that much except for the makeup. You know, the makeup has to be on. But um,
2: from the head, from the
4: chin up, (laughs) from the chin up. Right, exactly.
2: (laughs) One thing me and Alan were talking about before that I wanted to ask you is like, I've heard you speak many times about how, you know, prior to Pose, you were gonna give up acting. You were just about to, you know, and then what's happened with the murder of George Floyd and the protests that resulted from that is that it feels that I'm hearing the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. is changing, but has your phone been ringing? Like, has it actually, is it happening on the ground in a real way?
4: You know, I have my phone has been ringing. I have been getting wonderful. I would say opportunities that are opening the door for us to have the conversation. I still think there's more work that needs to be done, but um, that's on right. the people who aren't doing the work. You know what I mean? Like those for us mm-hmm. as artists, as actors and, and actresses. I feel like we're always doing the groundwork through our art. Um, and the times that I've been, been hearing about the the landscape of what can be done, in as far as the future looks, it sounds pretty good. It just, it it really? it sounds, and as far as what can be done, I haven't seen it just yet, and I'm hoping yeah, that well, not we know much see, is happening. Right, not much exactly. Is happening thus far. That's the thing. Exactly. With COVID. But the the outcome of what people are saying what could happen in the future it sounds pretty good it sounds pretty bright i just Mm -hmm. hope it happens
3: and also the the thing is that you know i I think it's always you know when this when covid started it was artists that everyone turned to to kind of make sense of it Mm -hmm. even in the whole you know in the black lives matter movement the way things have been spread and the way that the stories that people are telling the way they're telling their stories to kind of educate this whole sort of re-education and then the way that people are talking about systemic racism and everything and becoming mm-hmm. an anti-racist. It's all done to artists. We're always sort of the, the forefront. That's how we communicate. That's how we sort of, you know, you look to art to make sense of mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. So what's exciting mm-hmm. is that when things do, when production does sort of start up in a kind of uh, way again, that um, will be giving us more product, that it, it's exciting for me that in like, you know, what, about maybe nine months, a year's time, mm-hmm. there's going to be this influx mm-hmm. of really positive messages and stories and role models that we're going to be seeing that we haven't seen before. Right. So I think, I think it's actually good. All this work's been done yeah. right now, but it, there's going to be a huge wave of it mm-hmm. in our
2: future. Well, it's, it's actions and words, isn't it? And at the moment we got the words and I'm interested to see what the action is, you know, like do people do the stories on TV change that if it's a high school drama, it's not just a white kid, you know, like a white yeah. right. straight kid. right? But do you you write as well? Don't you?
4: I um, I'm in the process of writing my own little show right now. I do write, but I write music, um, which is I, I don't consider it any different from writing a a, a television show because I feel like that's what I what I consider it. And one of my friends said she said it's like prophecy. You know, people prophesize through their writing, and I feel like artists mm. have that that mm. special knack to do that through through their craft. So um, yeah, I've yes. been definitely writing uh, yes, a yes. lot. MJ, that's... do
2: you see yourself as like? you would that ideally would be like your future would be always acting and performing or is it that you want to create your own projects and you know invite the next generation of interesting talent into your projects? you know are you the new ryan murphy a work.
4: Well? <laughs> uh, <laughs> for me it this is it that question has always been so hard for me to answer because the one thing that i've always i always would say even to my stepfather who is an amazing man I would say I want to do everything. Like I want to just get my hands in everything. I see so many people doing it, and he was like, "Well, you have to focus on one thing." And I was like, "Oh my God!" Well, and this is when I'm like fourteen. When I was fourteen years old, and didn't really have a stat, like static thing that I wanted to do. Um. So, yeah, I think what I'm really focusing on right now is my acting and my music and how I want to influence through those things. But there are other things that I'm trying my best to do so that I can keep the the needle spinning and pushing it forward also so the next generation is like well this I can do this too this is something that I can do and I'm gonna be honest like there it's people like the man that I'm speaking to right now Mr. Allen who I never even like I I never even thought I would be sitting here today to speak to him on a on a a podcast let alone actually being able to speak to him or see him so it's it's inspiration like that that
2: dreams do come true they do (laughs) <laughs> Listen, MJ, you've got a point. He's got his own
3: soap, for <laughs> That's true. I do have my own soap. I know. Coming in a bar. All available at
2: alancoming.com forward
3: slash shop. <laughs> it sounds like you had a very supportive uh, family and upbringing. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a beautiful message you said to your dad. I mean, it's, it's true, actually, to focus in that way. But, I mean, I'm surprised that you uh, say that you'd, you never thought that was going to happen. If you were surrounded by that sort of positive positivity... Did you still feel sort of insecure in some ways, too, about things?
4: I did. I have to be honest. I was extremely insecure about who I was as a trans woman in the world of Mm. just what we can, what what everyday today life people are and also within the acting realm. And um, so those things for me, my own insecurities, those were things that I held very strong. And it was hard for me to let them go for a while. And then after a while, I mean, I freed myself of that. I, I, I feel like I freed myself of that, some of that at age seven, but it still was like very, very uh, tethered within me. And then when I got to a certain age as an adult, I was like, okay, this is, wow, this is not what I need anymore. I, I would always say the, um, it's not that I'm catching up with the world, but the world instead is catching up with me.
1: Hmm. And,
4: I had Mm -hmm. to really use that that um, that mantra so it can carry me through so that I could really reach where I wanted to reach, which was my career as an actress and hopefully move forward into the acting realm. You know, so, yeah. Do you say
3: when you're seven, what what specifically happened at seven?
4: So there were so many things that happened to me at the age of seven. I was living in a and this was in America in a predominantly Caucasian area. Um, And I have to be very honest, there were certain things that had run through my mind being around a group of individuals who were lighter than me, but also I was in the group of, there was a mindset that had started to get uh, trapped up in that idea. And then when I had the N-word written on my garage door, it made me realize that, oh, no, you're you're not this, you're this. And it really gave me a reality check on who I really was. And also, I was not only did I have that written on my door, but kids would call me, at the age of seven, kids would call me weird, or little girl, or, you know, and I mean, I was glad that they were calling me little girl, because at least they got something right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But (laughs) it would still, in a derogatory way, And I was wondering at a seven year old, like, how are kids saying these things to me? What in the world are they getting this from? You know, and at that point, I realized at the age of seven, they're getting this from the people that are teaching them this. They're not getting Mm -hmm. it from me because I'm just living. I'm simply just living. There was no vernacular of Mm -hmm. trans or gay or black or white or, you know, but I knew there was some kind of teaching. So after seven, that's when my mind told me I'm not catching up with the world. The world is catching up with me and I'm going to keep fighting until Mm. that moment again of my insecurity coming in and telling me you're not enough. I have to think of that mantra and let it be known that I am enough. So at the age of seven, Mm. I had a lot. Oh, that's great. Mm
2: -hmm. It is. It's it's really heartbreaking to hear that as a seven-year-old having to process all of that stuff, you know, when you should really just be running around, Having a laugh with your friends, you know, it's just, and it always never ceases to amaze me the this laser precision that people have for finding people who are different mm-hmm. and pointing at it and saying that is wrong, and I I just don't understand it. It just it's never made any sense to me. It's like, a- and what's the offense? and it's so crazy you know? too
4: because I mean I there are friends that I still keep in touch with from my neighborhood of Jackson, New Jersey. That was the place, that was one of the places that I was raised in. And then I moved back to Newark, New Jersey. Um, mm. I have friends there, but there were so few and I was like, why are there so, so few, there's not enough to really back me and who I am as just a human being. And, mm. you know, mm. as I've grown up, there's only one person from that area who's contacted me. Um, which made me realize, okay, so what was written on my door, those, a specific group of people who lived around me, who lived next to me, I guess that's what they believed, except from the people who actually still keep in contact with me today. So yeah. it's uplifting though. It it made me stronger.
2: Who's laughing now? Yeah. Eh? But we wanted to ask you about being a, um, you were obsessed with comic books, right? Yes,
4: I still am.
3: <laughs> I love your whisper. What must it have been like for you to be in a comic f- film? Because you're in... in um Luke Cage, aren't you?
4: So yeah, I I I guest starred on Luke Cage, and it was really great to be a part of it. the 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 ambiance of it all, being on a set, and just working with Latanya Pinkins, knowing that that's mm. Samuel Jackson's wife, I'm like, oh my god, this is Samuel Jackson's wife! Like, I can't believe I'm next to her. I watched her on Finding Temptation*. She had
2: she had breakfast right? with me
4: <laughs> every single morning. Um, I also thought that I was also and this is in no shape or form degrading that show because it's an amazing show but I was also playing you know the the prostitute or the the mm. just the the add-on to possibly helping out the trans community and yet and still I was called sister boy and even Latanya Pinkin she fought with me and told uh, not fought with me she fought with uh and when I say fought not with anger or anything she just fought for me to for the pronouns to be changed and um, so it was Mm. it was beautiful but it was also an eye-opener to me on how I wanted to really be placed in a space like that if I was going to be a character in a Marvel film also being somebody who is a complete nerd about Marvel Hmm. and knows almost everything about it I want to be in a part that I know I can handle that I know I can deliver and that I know is right for for me. So that was a beautiful moment for me. But um, I also saw the things that could also happen down the line and yes. the education that could happen down the line.
2: Yes.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
3: That's really interesting, though, because in a way you're living a dream, but in a way dreams, it was actually maybe good in a way that you were kind of brought back to reality a bit through that experience. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of sad. You know, it's like, because when, when I was in X-Men, it's kind of the opposite. I knew nothing about uh, comic book films, nothing about the X-Men. I, when, I remember when I said to some, someone, I oh, I'm going to audition for this part, this Nightcrawler. He's green. And blah, 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 and someone went, Alan, he's blue, <laughs> he's blue. And I was, oh, my God. And, uh, and then um, I knew nothing about it. And then I found myself in this film that was kind of the gayest film in the world, you know, the, the queerest film in the world, because it's all about, you know,
4: right. the,
3: the mutants. It's like an allegory of queerness, that these mm-hmm. people who are, have mm-hmm. to hide themselves, but they're actually really strong and have these really amazing powers. And, and were, uh, the one mm-hmm. I did, it was a really great scene where one of the little baby X-Men sort of has to sort of come out to his mum, And it's like mm-hmm. a, it's, if you were just at a place queer or with, a, you know, a mutant, uh, it, it would be a coming out story that we have seen many times. And, and she, says, uh, she says to him, could you, just, could you just try not being a mutant? Yes, in, in the, in the I thing. remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And so I didn't realize there I was not this, you know, big blockbuster. And like it's what I was saying, you know, the the it's the best kind of thing It's when you're in a big film, it's uh, paying you a lot of money, having a, well, it wasn't a lovely experience, actually, it was a hideous experience. But, you know, I, I was in a big, huge, mainstream, worldwide thing. And the message at its core was something I really, really believed in and was very proud right. to be a part of.
4: I remember seeing this um, scene with you and Rebecca Romaine Stamos. And... That was one of yes. my favorite scenes that I related to so much. And
3: why should I pretend? Why should I? Why should I? She says, why don't you pretend to be? Because I'm a shapeshifter. I could be someone else. I could pretend right. to be someone else. And I say, why should I? In my yeah, German it was, accent with my funny teeth.
4: <laughs> it was everything. And seeing you on the television screen, knowing knowing all of the history of you and seeing you on like the big screen obviously you were on big screens for years but this specific sh- movie it spoke to me my my uncle he was a big avid comic book reader and uh-huh. i knew all about nightcrawler and i knew about mystique storm's journey and i just recently posted something about x-men literally two days ago i said did i feel you? like a mutant yeah i did ah. and i'm so glad that you mentioned that because when i saw that movie i not only saw the queerness and the fight of of queer individuals, but I also remember back to why he wrote the comic books, which was for the civil rights movement. Like that's yes. what the comic books were about.
3: It's it's really it's it's really amazing the way that comic books have been so sort of important in sort of various, uh, rights struggles. Like I didn't realize I saw that thing recently. Um, uh, what do you call it, Mrs. America? Did you see that with Kate Blanchett playing that lady? And it's yes. about the sort of the the equality, oh, yeah. you know, gender equality thing. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, the but I didn't know that it was uh, Wonder Woman was kind of um, had been sort of forgotten. You know, she was, she was invented and she was, it was kind of not really she was sort of gathering dust a bit as a as a superhero. And it was mm-hmm. Gloria Steinem put her on the cover of um, her magazine, and mm-hmm. that was what kind of brought Wonder Woman back into the zeitgeist again. So in a way, mm-hmm. Gloria Steinem is, is responsible mm-hmm. for our kind of
2: the way that Wonder Woman is, is uh, around us right now. True. I think that's so great. Mm. All of that, because I, I have to say, weirdly, I didn't relate to comics when I was little, mm-hmm. but I so see that when I hear you both say that that is sort of a thing.
4: Yeah. I mean, when so just retracting back to the age of seven, that's when a lot of those like feelings started getting um, like, I would say, ruffled a little bit and... I literally just started diving into art, whether it dealt with being dramatic, right. whether it dealt with singing or whether it dealt with drawing and creating. and my outlet for drawing was looking into the comic books and seeing what styles there were. Right. And when I got into the comic books, the storylines of these people, they were regular people, and you know it's funny, a lot of individuals, especially adults. We um, shun cartoons sometimes because of it being considered a a, a television for children or Mm. the colors and all of those things. It's geared towards children. But when you really look at the the dialogue and the context of it, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's for Mm. us as adults to really read between the lines. And there's a lot of political things, even within X-Men, the Marvel Universe. And when I started seeing that, I was like, oh, my God, they're actually putting this in comic books? What? Are you kidding Mm. Um, and it taught me a lot. Uh, it taught me a lot, aside from textbooks, even though I do like textbooks, but the, uh, <laughs> the comics gave me a reality check on what it's like to not only be a person who is queer and a part of the LGBTQAI community, but a part of being a, a melanin individual. Looking at Storm, she was one of my favorite characters and she was one of the only characters that was of color Throughout that whole cast, if we can consider them cast, Mm. you know what I mean, Um, or misfits, beautiful misfits. And when I looked to her, I was like, Oh my God, this is someone who is just like me. Not only is she someone who is melanin, but she is also very different. She has white hair and blue eyes, and she's from Africa, and she's living in New York though, and she's with Xavier. These are things that you would never expect, but it's happening, and she's a part of a group where Xavier is the leader and showing that humankind is what we need to pay attention to. All of those things were in my bracket Mm. of what I wanted to do in life. So it really stemmed me to just push forward and know that just because that was in a comic book or whether it be in a cartoon, there's some realistic aspects in that that you can really take with you in real life and and use it.
2: The producer of Star Trek said, if you want to talk about racism, Mm -hmm. put it on a spaceship oh interesting like you know that kind of allegory. make it a bit allegorical and you can suddenly get straight to the heart
4: right
3: mj i had another question about because i read another thing about you when you were seven uh uh, because seven Mm -hmm. was a huge year for you um Uh about that that was when you started (laughs) to pray to be to become a girl and i want i just wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about religion and and how uh, was that a big thing is it a big thing in your life still it obviously was quite a big thing then
4: yeah I mean it's I'm still a very spiritual person I still believe you know in something that's bigger than all of us you know Mm -hmm. um I try not to speak about it as much though because there are a lot of people who have their ideals and beliefs and I never want to encroach on those but um I yeah I I still feel strong I feel like there's something that's within me that's you know telling me to keep the the message alive and keep moving forward and not in the ways of the older generations who created you know those types of religions but um i guess you know the world would be a little bit more nuanced and and actually oh, realistic I,
3: I always say you know re, you know if people followed the the teachings and practices of jesus it, if they were truly christian we would be it mm-hmm. would be so lovely you know Je- jesus right. would be helping refugees he'd be helping queer people you know people who are different i mean i think it's just so sad that Christianity has been so mm-hmm. hijacked to, as a sort of political weapon to 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 actually try and hurt use it to try and hurt and keep down the very people that Jesus in the Bible writes that it's written about that him helping it's
4: free, it mm-hmm. annoys me so much it's crazy I, I i look at it and i see that there are so many ways of divisiveness even within you know those sectors of religion and you know I, it's crazy I feel like there's division the even created within that. There's been a lot of it. There's been a lot of ruckus as of lately, and a lot of people have been speaking up and they've been challenging certain religious sectors to speak out even about r- racial issues. And it's like, well, you know, you you would think that certain religions would speak out about racial issues because we're a, for all the people. Yes. But some of them don't do that, and it really shows you how things are constructed yes. uh, within those little sectors so for me um yeah spirituality is a bit stronger thing but i know there's something much stronger than me and even all of us as humans on this earth uh uh, just as much as i believe in jesus christ i believe that there were also many more divine individuals like himself that came before him and that came after him that he was not just the only one but at that time in the pinnacle of probably a lot of chaos his story was told and people had to shine a light on it because he probably didn't even do that much to hurt anyone. There are some people who probably hurt people through words or hurt people through violence, but his story was not like that. And I would like to think there are other people that were like him that even probably thought about that before him or yeah. thought about it after him. So, yeah. uh yeah, and, and did you that grow up,
3: were you a uh, Catholic? Was that the religion you grew up in?
4: I grew up as a, ba- a Baptist. Uh-huh. Um, I moved back to Newark, New Jersey. I was living in Newark, New Jersey for most of my life, then moved to Jackson, New Jersey, and then moved back to Newark, New Jersey. Um, And that's when I started going to church at about nine through 14, going every single Sunday. And I realized even going into that church, I went to churches over in Jackson, New Jersey and saw completely demographic. But when I came back to Newark, New Jersey, I saw a lot of my melanin individuals in that space. No individuals who were caucasian or asian for that matter anyone it was just predominantly african american and i would also hear some of the things that were perpetuated through uh through the eyes of the groups that were caucasian as well and i it didn't sit well with me it didn't resonate well with me it didn't feel positive it felt a a bit condemning so i left um, and it hurt me to know that I left because I wanted to find some space of fellowship. I wanted to find some space of connection, mm. but uh, it wasn't there. Mm. So what did you do? I started making my a space for myself and I wanted people to hopefully um, just see me as an example, maybe see that there are a lot of people. the The one thing that I did was see that there was a man and many women also within that book that um were positive and only had a positive message and journey and that's what i wanted to do and i was just like i'm taking this like i'm walking in their footsteps you know and
2: i think mj's saying she's starting her own religion which i am very much going to follow i I
4: mean you know that's hard to do (laughs) because people get hurt out here when they start their own religion so i get a little scared about (laughs) that but (laughs) But is is it can i ask a
2: question is it like Is it that I, you know, grew up at school, you had to do religious stuff, it was considered really boring. Yes, when you looked at Jesus, you're like, the principles are great. But then as it moved, when I got a bit older, I felt like it just felt religion in the UK just felt like homophobic, not accepting difference. So you just kind of detach. But actually with that detachment, because you think it's not for me, you actually lose out on what are some really principally great messages Mm -hmm. uh, you know that are they've stuck around for a reason right
4: right
3: and they're about kindness and inclusion and compassion yeah exactly yeah
4: exactly
3: it's it's just i you know when you said that you you took you decided to take those positive things and and that's how you're going you absolutely exude positivity it's like even through
2: this computer screen i'm looking at you You right now there's just like a
3: halo of positivity coming
2: through so but Mm. i vote to you Another thing you said, age seven, I think wasn't it that we, we will move on from age seven? But you didn't you say that you want you knew you wanted to change the world, age seven?
4: I did. I did. When I started seeing the wow, the things that were done to me, I didn't want to do it to anyone else, nor did I want to see anyone else have it done to them. Mm. So I just knew that my voice would possibly change how people thought and would having a talent of singing and acting i knew that it, if i were ever to be put on a platform that would be the right way to do it because we we as artists have gifts that really really change the minds and thoughts of many individuals out there yeah. and if we can really convey through our craft with it even being a realistic storyline um then we can really change the tide. We can really change the narrative a bit. And I've seen that through many artists. And at the age of seven, I knew I could do it. It wasn't like, I'm going to be like that. It was, I'm going to be that. And there are going to be people who see the the change through positivity and love and sometimes you know Mm. a little bit justice and a bit of chaos sometimes chaos happens but that doesn't mean you have to partake in it Mm. sometimes you have Mm. to witness it and see how you can reconstruct it so it doesn't happen again and at the age of seven i thought about all those things because i was watching it right before my eyes
2: wow talk about creative visualization yeah i was wetting the bed age seven if (laughs) anyone's (laughs) interested. What a delight MJ is. I just adore her. This is the end of part one. Uh, The rest of this lovely chat continues in part two. So head over there and click play on part two. It's on your feed.
4: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ